lovely wife over here, Raven. So I'm I'm from uh, from Ballinger, right down the road, and, and I went to I went to college at Angelo State. Ramum. Ramum. Yeah. Ramum. Yeah, there it is. But uh, yeah, this is like coming back home for us. Really special. Uh, I'm I'm not moving back here. So <laughs> when he said, you know, like, no, no. That's what he said. I thought I was. I thought I was gonna move back here, but we're not. Wow, that's awesome. But uh, yeah, I was in San Antonio for two years, and then two years ago, me and my wife uh, went to be a part of a team that's replanting a Kyle at UT Arlington. I've been there two full years now. It's been awesome. But uh, yeah, it was right here actually, uh, February 2014 in Stango's Coffee Shop, which Ooh. is not open anymore. But <laughs> that was like the buttercup. That was the cool spot of the day. And I, I was in Jacob Mallory's small group, and it was it was there that the the Holy Spirit really really showed me that I wasn't right with God. I grew up a Christian. I grew up in church since I was like eight or nine, and it was there that I knew like. There was a gap between the Christian life I said I, I was and, and like how I was actually living, and I realized I needed to repent and get close to Jesus and, and get right with God. And it was that that it was actually the cop that Heath was at, and he he, he said like, does anyone want to like give their life to Jesus, like rededicate their life to the Lord? And I remember not raising my hand because I was scared. And then the next week I did raise my hand, and I knew what that meant. And that was a really special time and just walking through repentance and getting right with the Lord and. Really hanging out with guys and, and girls that love Jesus for the first time. But anyways, back in the day, like I really started walking with Jesus here at Kyle Angel Estate. It's awesome. This is an awesome community. Super grateful to be here. And uh, tonight we're talking about uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And to some of you, you don't know what that means, but it's just a random guy's name. But we're going to learn about him tonight. All right. Yeah. So he lived in Germany in the early 1900s, and uh, he did some impactful things for Jesus. And uh, before I start on his, his story, I want us to, to do a little word study real quick. And that word is sincere. And if you've never heard the word sincere, maybe you think of like a nice Hallmark card. You're like, oh, that person's really sincere. They're very nice, kind of compassionate. You kind of put it in that group of words, uh, something like that. Anyways, but the word sincere, that, it actually is a combination of two words in a language that I'm not sure of right now. But it's, it's sin and sire, which means without wax. Hmm. Have you heard that before? Yeah. Okay, maybe Spartans are already talking about that. Yeah. Well, we can probably, yeah, definitely got from him. But um, what that means, back in the Roman, the Greek days, when people had marble statues everywhere, there was these marble makers that, that they would get a block of marble and they would start chipping away and create this man and this woman, this face, this detailed figure. Yeah. And, and they would they would create this person or the statue and maybe accidentally they would knock off the nose or the ear or something like that. And instead of having to start all over and scratch, you know, months of hard work chipping away at a marble piece of slab, uh, that they would go and they would get, they would get wax and they would melt this wax and they would put the, put it on the end of the nose and put the nose back on or put the ear back on. And they would get a little bit of marble dust and they would, they would cover up their, you know, cover up the wound. And, uh, and they, would, they would sell it as soon as possible and, and, and try to get as much money for it because if someone found out there was wax in it, yeah. it was considered bad because what happened, you would hold that statue or you put light on it and this wax would be exposed. And you, you know, you're not gonna see through marble with light, yeah. but you would see the wax. You would see the big flaw or the big cut or the big yeah. you know, thing in this, this statue that no, no longer made it uh, is worth, you know, Money, but to the to the ordinary eye, the statue looked great. Yeah. But when you held it up to the light, 
you actually see this, this flaw in it, right? And it would be devalued. So as we start, I want us to think about that word and think about our lives. When, when our lives are held up to the light that is Jesus, right? Like, is there wax? Is there, is there any place that we're not, like, surrendering to the Lordship of Jesus? Is there any part, secret thing, secret, secret something that, like, when it's held up to the light, would it, would it like, show that that's not... Yeah. There, there's something there that's not right. We need to fix that, you know. So, so when you maybe next time you hear the word sincere, you have a whole different, you know, understanding of it now. Yeah. But, but I wanted to start with Philippians, Philippians one verses nine and ten. And, and when I think of when I think of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, I think of a man that lived out this word sincere very well. And and when I'm thinking about his life, this mind, this this word comes to my mind. And, in Philippians 1 and 9 10 say, And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere, there it is, and without offense till the day of Christ. Yeah. So we know we know that a sincere life, one without wax, without flaw, yeah. just as Christ died for us to live, is a life. Uh, of one who has experienced Christ and one who is willing to give their life back to Christ. Yeah. It's a twofold thing there. Yeah. So when I think of a sincere follower of Christ, I think of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I see someone who actually lived out everything that they preached. Yeah. That there wasn't a gap between what they believed and how they actually lived, right? You guys with me? Yeah. 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 So I, and I know from the Bible... That, that God is God's desire for all his children and for his church and and my hope tonight is that when we we see the life of Bonhoeffer we would be led and inspired into a life that would be led with sincerity yeah. and that a life that we would all look at inspect our own hearts and ask Lord am I living the life that you died for me to live yeah am I really am I really living a life that that shows the world that Jesus is alive and when I think of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, I think of a life that did that very well. And I may leave out some details about his life tonight, but I'm, I'm really going to talk about what I think is necessary for this talk. So if you want to go read more about him, there's like these awesome biographies. There's a short one, and then there's like a super fat one. So yeah, you can, you can go read those. They're really awesome. You should get to know this man. His life is worthy. So Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he was born on February 1906 in a little town. Uh, called Braslow, Germany, and one was one of eight children, and actually a twin. Uh, so just a middle child, pretty insignificant in this family. They grew up in a very affluent home. They, his dad was a prominent professor at the University of Berlin in, in neurology, and he, he was a big deal, and because of that, the family had a lot of money. They, all, the, all the kids um, knew music. They were really well-versed, really, really smart kids. So he grew up in, in this, this great household, and then at 14 years old, hang with me here, I'm just gonna get some water. But um, at 14 years old, Dietrich Bonhoeffer has this desire out of, just a desire to do ministry full time. Sorry. And, and uh, I'm gonna drink water and preach at the same time. You guys think about this. <laughs> well, so cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Okay, so at 14, he has a desire for ministry, and he said, tells his parents, I'm going to go study theology and become a minister. And they kind of laugh at that in a way, because they're very high, intelligent people, and they think that theologians, the pastors, are weak. And they think this, this area of, 
of ministry is actually not not uh, not going to challenge Dietrich enough. They know how smart he is, and they're like, you can do so, so much more with your life. And as a missionary, sometimes we feel that way from family at times. We're like, when are you going to get a real job? We're like, no, God has, God has called me to do this, so I'm going to do this. So I hope whatever God tells you to do, you do it, no matter what your family says. I'll just leave that there. But, so so they laugh at him, his, his, his siblings, you know, scoff at him, whatever. But he's so smart, he graduates from high school at 17, and by 21, he has a dissertation written with his doctorate, because that's what teaching ministers did in Europe at this time. And he, he writes this dissertation, he titles it The Communion of the Saints. And from the beginning, he knew how important it was for Christians to be in relationship with each other. Yeah. And that was the whole premise of this paper. That, and he says, all Christians are formed by their encounters with others. And, and when a Christian doesn't live in community, doesn't live in a relationship with other Christians, they get a little weird. And the Bible says that he who seeks his, seeks, uh, his, he who, uh, separates himself, he who isolates himself, seeks his own desire and rages against all wise judgment. So that's what God says about that. And, and I desire that you would live in community this summer with your brothers and your sisters. And that's why we do small groups and all, this, all that cool stuff. So it's cool to see, like, Everything we know and believe in Kai Alpha Dietrich is, is getting it from a yeah. young age. And he's like, yeah, it's yeah. it's not just enough for me to be this high theologian that's in isolation. But I need to live together with other Christians yeah. and, and serve them and love them just as Christ has loved me. So fast forward a couple of years. He's a, he's a, a foreign exchange student in New York City. And he, he stays in Harlem. Harlem is a little part of Manhattan there. Have some great Kai Alpha mission, missionary friends that are actually doing up there now, but uh, Harlem's a cool place. But back in the back in the 30s, it was pretty rough. And he goes there and he sees like this prejudice, racism going on between you know America and African Americans, all that thing. And he, his heart just gets broken. Yeah. He's taken out of this shelter, this bubble that he grew up in in, in affluent Germany. And and he he comes to this place and he sees the American government not doing anything about it. And and he sees the broken heart of people. In the broken heart of God, and, and he really points that time. He says himself that, that that's when I became a Christian. I went to America as a theologian, but I came back as a Christian. So I know that God, like part of our, our Christian experience in following Jesus is not just thinking about him, knowing about him, but actually actually living out and serving the people yeah. around us. Sure. And my first point is actually a quote by Dietrich, and he says, true faith is an experience of the concrete present Christ who was made flesh, was crucified, and raised from the dead. So, so first, to, to know anything, to serve people, Dietrich knew, and we, we must know, that we have to experience Christ. Without us seeing and knowing God rightly, just as we, just as we sung today, we'll, we'll just have this behavior modification that turns into religion, and religion without a relationship just leads to death, it leads to rebellion, and it leads us into a very cold and dry place. And this is why Jesus said in John 3, you must be born again. Because Jesus is not after our behavior, he's after our heart. And when we give our heart to Jesus, when we say, God, I want your whole life, to my whole life to be yours now, and your whole life to be mine, you know, we, we begin this process of following Jesus, not just looking or acting like a Christian should act. But it, it's 
it's, we always say, and I always say this to my small group, I don't even know really where it's from, but it's a quote that says, the kingdom of God is not founded on, on um, external force, but internal freedom. Yeah. And, and that means like God wants your heart. Yeah. And through your heart, he, he changes everything else. And, and we must start there, giving Jesus our heart. So this was a time where Dietrich Bonhoeffer in Harlem in New York City found that, God, you don't want just my ideas, but you want my heart. You want my will. And these people need somebody to, to speak for them, to stick up for them. Um, God just didn't speak to his intellect, but really spoke to his heart here. Yeah. And, and knew that, that these people needed to be born again. They needed Jesus. And, and, and he needed Jesus even more. So he comes back. From, from America. He was there for one year studying. He's 27 now, and this is a tense time in Germany. Hitler was just elected as chancellor under the president at the time named Hindenburg. So basically, Hitler was elected vice president. Dietrich, uh, not Dietrich, Hindenburg would soon die. He's old, and, and Hitler would, would reign as the, the ruler of Germany, as we know. Yeah. And Dietrich saw the evil and spoke out against it right away. And he, he was scheduled to do a radio broadcast um, over the German radio. He was going to preach a sermon, but he saw Hitler. He saw the regime that he was a part of and how evil it was. And he took that circumstance, and he actually spoke directly against Hitler and everything that he was trying to do. And he, he was building his points, going against everything, calling German back to righteousness. Like, keep following Jesus. Don't serve Hitler. Don't serve man. You need to serve God. And in the middle of this radio broadcast... Uh, it actually gets cut off. The, the, the Nazis, they, they see what he's up to, what he's doing. And from that moment, Dietrich Bonhoeffer has a, has a target on his back for the rest of his life. But what's awesome about Dietrich and what exemplifies Christ in his life here is that he didn't just see an evil and just said, oh, somebody will deal with it. He wasn't cynical about it, but he said, I, I can do something. Yeah. And I need, I need to speak up against that. And, and he also says, we look to the Bible to see what we need to proclaim to the lost world. Yeah. So all of us have a responsibility in that, just as Dietrich did, to stand up and speak against the things that we see that aren't right. You guys with me? Yeah. Yeah. Tracking through yeah. with me with the, the life of Dietrich Bonhoeffer? It's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. I wish I could tell you everything I've learned about it, but that would take a long time. So uh, he's 28 years later. He starts this church in Germany called the Confessing Church. And it's basically a separate church because by then the, the Nazis had taken over the, 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 what do you call it, the Protestant Church of Germany. Yeah. They, they, they would only let the pastors say what they wanted them to say. Yeah. They wouldn't let them control their own finances. People were coming to church, but they were hearing of Nazi, Nazi thoughts. Yeah. And Hitler you know, improvised thoughts through the church. It was a really wicked, messed up thing. So Dietrich again stands up. He starts this own branch of churches that, that are that are bound to stand up for Christ and have God be the ruler, not man, and, and, and preach the Bible, which is awesome. So he does this in 1934, and in 35 he goes on to make a, a, a seminary, a school to teach people and raise up leaders for this church yeah. that he formed. And knowing that they would stand against all the Nazis and all the unrighteousness that they were doing yeah. later on. And it was at this seminary where he wrote his two most famous books, called Life Together and Cost of Discipleship. Yeah. And if you haven't read them, they're really awesome, and you should. Life Together, he really, uh, God really used that book to speak to me a lot about community. Sorry, I'm getting all choked up. I don't know why. Who's read any of those books? Oh, yeah. One, two. Which one's y'all read? 
Cost of discipleship. <coughs> what do you think? That was good. I want to read the other one now. Yeah. It's all straight. Anybody else? You like them? Yeah. Awesome. Good books are great. Yeah. Bring close to Jesus. Fill your mind with good things. Yeah. Yeah. Well did, guys. It's worth reading. It's awesome. So in, in Cost of Discipleship, he, he talks about this idea of costly grace versus cheap grace. Yeah. Yeah. And what he means by this is, uh, is, is Jesus has given his life so that we could have new life in him, right? Like, that's the gospel. Jesus, yeah. he, he died and he resurrected so that we could be friends with God, so that we could be in relationship with God. And when we take that for granted, and we don't live in a way that a follower of Jesus should live, we're, we're, we're saying that the grace of God is very cheap. Yeah. And, and what he's saying is we need to see the grace of God as very costly, very expensive, because yeah. it costs God his own son. Yeah. And, and that would lead us into this place of, Jesus, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it, because you've already done everything yeah. for me, right? Does that make sense? That's that's this idea, and that's kind of the summary of the cost of discipleship in a way. But we should still read the book. And my second point tonight, second of two, is, is the Christian life is not measured by how much we can get, but how but by how much we can give. And that that's really us seeing the gospel, believing the gospel, and trusting our life to that, and, and, and letting our lives be in, uh, a demonstration the gospel. When people see us, they would see proof that Jesus is still alive. In, a, in Dietrich's first sermon, he says Christianity means decision, it means change, and it means a denial of the past. And that Christians must be ready to answer the call of the master, even if that leads, means leaving everything behind. In his school, he was only 21 when he preached this. He lived to be 38. But, but the Everything he preached, he would eventually live out, like word for word. You know, yeah. he ended up giving his life for Jesus. Yes. But we're getting there. But it's cool that the Christian life, when Jesus says, if, if anyone would come after me, let him first deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow after me. Yeah. And Jesus gives us this opportunity. Would you come and come after me? But you're going to have to leave your old self, your old life first. And yeah. I've heard it said repentance is the gateway to knowing God. Like, Jesus says, first, repent and believe in the gospel. Repent and believe. Like, turn from, from who you were and follow after Jesus. And, and again, Dietrich's life so shows this so well. So, so during this time, he had the seminary. He wrote the two books. He goes again. He gets invited to New York City, uh, not, not to be a student this time, but to be a teacher, to, to show... America everything that God is doing through the confessing church in Germany yeah. and they say we want you to come for two or three years and this is like the height of, of Hitler's reign like everything in Germany is falling apart it's really bad um, so so Dietrich wrestles should I go should I leave Germany should I leave my people during this time yeah. and go to America and teach so he goes and they think he's going for three years but within six weeks the Holy Spirit convicts him and tells him like you, you need to come back you need to go back you go back to your people. This is not a time to, to run, but stand up there. Stand up for the church. Stand up for Jesus when everything else is falling apart. And it surprised me as I read about Dietrich in his whole life how long Germany was in this state of, like, you know, everything was going great. Like, 
economically they were boosting, the people were super like, go Germany, but the whole time Hitler was like this two-faced person of like, yeah, the church, yeah, God is good, like, we're doing everything, we're gonna bring, you know, great things to the people, but behind the scenes he was this evil man, you know, killing Jews, persecuting Jews, and, and Dietrich saw that from the beginning, and a lot of people didn't see that at the time. And it, I, I guess seeing all the movies, all the things, really, I always thought that this was a very like quick thing, like it only happened in a span of a couple of years, but it actually went on for five or six years that Hitler was was reigning here, and, and Dietrich was really speaking against him in this whole time and, yeah. and standing up for Jesus, which is really cool. So, so he, he goes to New York, but he comes back within six weeks, and he knew coming back to Germany at this time, given the circumstances, given the target on his back and his position in the government and everything, he was given favor to know a lot of people in high places, um, that he, he may not come out of Germany again, that this may cost him his life. He could, he could stay in America and do the thing that, that, that looked good to do, and, and probably get through the war unscathed, and when Hitler dies, or you know, Americans take over, I'll come back. But he knew if he went back to Germany, yeah. uh, this may cost him everything. But he went back because he was obedient to Jesus, yeah. knowing that it would cost him everything. He went back because he knew the cross was worth it, and he knew the people of Germany were worth it. Yeah. So it's, it's during this time, maybe six months later, he, he gets imprisoned. There, there's a lot of things going on around Hitler, a lot of assassination attempts, and they accuse him of a lot of stuff. So, so he goes to prison, and he, he ends up staying there for the, for the uh, last year and a half, two years of his life. Mm -hmm. and, and he goes, and, and during this time, so many people, there's accounts uh, where, where Dietrich was the happiest, most joyful man, ministering to all the other men and women in the jail. And, and you just see this continual pattern of Dietrich living out the things that he preached, yeah. even in prison. And we see that with the, like, the Apostle Paul. Like, he writes in, in Philippians from prison, like, rejoice. You know, again, I say to you, rejoice. Yeah. In every circumstance, pray and, and give thanks. And we see that same life uh, lived out through Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Even in prison, even in his final days, he, he, uh, he's, he's living and moving with the joy of the Lord, and he's ministering to the people around him. And his mindset, his, his motive was never on preserving his own life, mm -hmm. but giving his life so that others would know Jesus. Yeah. And he did that very thing. A few, a few more attempts of assassination happened to Hitler. They, they, the target gets narrow and narrow on, on Dietrich's back. And he, it's soon that there's almost no hope of him getting out of jail by the time that, that, uh, you know, that the war is over at this point. So he, he, he knows the end is near. They take him to this one prison, now to this max security prison in a basement somewhere. And finally, he's taken to a place called Flossenburg Concentration Camp. And it's there in that he, the words of his final sermon, read in 1 Peter 1.3. He said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten or given us again to a new living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So if Diedrich is holding the words of God in, in Scripture and this relationship with Jesus so tightly in his final days, how much more can we have this, this life that shows Jesus to the world? Now and here in America, in San, San Angelo, Texas, that is honestly is very easy to live in. You know, we're not facing any, 
any hardship in that sense and any persecution. So how much more, given the example of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, can we live for Jesus unashamedly? Yeah. So we really see this principle in, in Dietrich's life of what we become we behold. Because he, 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 he just keeps his eyes on Jesus. It was said that during his, his many days in prison, every day he would read his Bible and pray and, yeah. and, and never lose the spiritual discipline uh, of time with Jesus. And, and, and that was shown in the fruit of his life through, through his, his uh, faithfulness to God and ministry to other people. And really, we know that Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he beheld Jesus. He yeah. saw Jesus rightly. And, and he, he knew him by, by the Holy Spirit and by what the Word of God says about him. And, and this was never a question in his life, yeah. even to the end. He held Jesus closely. And it was on April 9, 1945, that Dietrich Bonhoeffer was hung at Flossenburg concentration camp. In a section in his biographer, he reads this. A camp doctor who did not know Bonhoeffer found Dietrich on his knees in prayer. As he looked on, he was moved at the peacefulness he saw in Dietrich Bonhoeffer, even in the moments preceding certain death. As he climbed to the gallows by which he was hung, Dietrich paused to pray once more. The doctor later described him as calm and composed and said that in all his years as a doctor, he had never seen someone die so completely submissive to the will of God. So think back with me to these marble makers and the word sincere. Do you remember where we started with the wax and holding it up to the light? Yeah. So Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he was a sincere man. Yeah. There was no wax. There was no sin. There was no secret compartments in his life. Mm -hmm. This man loved Jesus and the world around him knew it. Yeah. Even unto death, this unsaved camp doctor was, was moved. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know, hopefully got saved because of what he saw in Dietrich's life. Yeah. Even the moments before death, he didn't forsake his faith and, and say, oh, that's only for church, or that was only for back then, or only for that season. The Dietrich was, was truly sincere to God. Yeah. And in, in the same way that he was, in such a living example that he was to us during World War II and some of the worst circumstances our world has ever seen, how much more can we live for Jesus today? You know, things are hard, it's COVID, you know, I don't know what's next, but 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 Jesus is still alive and he's living in the same way he was in the nineteen thirties. Yeah. And and he has still called us all the light of the world. It's cool that Jesus says, I am the light of the world, and then he says to his disciples and ultimately to us, You are the light of the world. He who's alive doesn't hide his light under under a lamp, yeah. it shines it so that the world around them may know. Let's yeah. paraphrase, but you can know where I'm going. Yeah that we're the light of the world, and we have this opportunity, this privilege, and also this responsibility to live for Jesus in a way that would prove to the lost world that he's still alive. Yeah. And I know Dietrich did that, and God wants us to do the same thing. Yeah. So so giving our two, two points today, the first one is true faith is an experience of the concrete present Christ who was made flesh, was crucified, and raised from the dead true faith. Some of us need to experience the presence of Jesus. Some of us need to come into relationship with Jesus in this room. Yeah. Some of us need to be honest with ourselves, be honest with God, and know that we need to repent and turn up some things, yeah. give those things fully to Jesus, and, and, and go back to where you've begun and say, Jesus, I, I want you to have every part of me. Mm -hmm. I want to live 
like you want me to live in this world. And I want to prove to my classmates, to my parents, to my friends at work that Jesus is alive. Yeah. And, and, and he didn't shed his blood on the cross for nothing. But I get to live in a relationship with God and show that to everyone now, right? Yeah. And number two, the Christian life is not measured by how much we can get, but by how much we can give. Some of us are Christians already. Some of us love Jesus dearly, but maybe we're being selfish in some areas. Maybe it's our time, our attitude, our, our finances, our, you know, it could be so many things. And, and I, I really feel like even during worship, the Lord put on my heart like motive, the word motive, that, yeah. that, that God wants our, our motive, like why we do what we're doing and who we do it for. Yeah. Like not that we just do the right thing because we see our life, our small group leader doing it, because we see Scroggins or all these guys doing it, you know, or ladies. But but we would do it because we have we love Jesus. Yeah. And and it's it's cool that the Bible says that that um, Jesus is a discerner of our hearts and our mind. So that he, he knows he knows our motive. Yeah. He knows why we came tonight, he knows why we go to small group, he knows why we went to uh, ASU or Howard or wherever we're at. He he knows he knows those things and, and he wants your why to be him. Yeah. And and I want that too, because the Lord showed me that here at Angelo State and he changed my life forever. And you know, you're probably not all gonna be missionaries, but like whether you are or not, like your your the whole trajectory of your life changes when you decide to live yes. fully for Jesus. Yeah. And I think we we underestimate what God wants to do through us yeah. and in us when we follow Jesus. I think I've underestimated that at times, but, but the Lord has been so faithful to remind me of all the things He wants to do through yeah. us and in us. And I mean, we always say in but what God does in you, He wants to do through you. Yeah. And that's so true. That's the gospel. Yeah. And that's what Jesus died so that we could live for. So so number two, that second group of people, um, maybe it's it's not this big thing or not uh, that you're not following Jesus, but there's, there's an area of your life that the Holy Spirit is putting His finger on saying maybe it's your attitude towards your, your friends or your, your family. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's your time. Maybe there's too much time on your phone. Maybe it's something like that. But Jesus, he wants all of your life. And, and the more of your life you give to him, the more of him you get in return. And, and, and there, there's no real goodness, there's no real truth in this world apart from Jesus. And, and if you don't remember anything from tonight, maybe you'll you know remember that. All the things in your life that you want to go through and go right. Which you, without Jesus, it's always just kind of, you know, us doing our own thing. And then at the end of life, we realize, I missed it. Yeah. And I don't want that friend of you guys. And any of our people at UTA, I guess that's why I'm up here tonight. But if the worship band wants to come, uh, just closing a song. I just want us to, to just inspect our own hearts. Uh, David said, God, would you search my heart and see if there are any wrong and anxious things within me and I know that the Holy Spirit is probably putting his finger on a lot of things and it's up to us if we respond to that or not but it really starts by us being honest with God wherever we're at Jesus how can I give my life more to you how can I live like this man Dietrich Bonhoeffer incredible example of faith so Jesus thank you Lord for tonight thank you that your Holy Spirit is here God, and thank you for the cross. Thank you that you've shown your love so openly and freely to us, God. And you don't want anyone to perish, but you want everyone to come to repentance, Jesus. You want everyone to come back into your, your sheepfold. 
You're the good shepherd, God, and you want to lead us. But we have to be willing to come back to you, Jesus, to do that. So God, search our hearts, Lord. Speak to us. Help us be honest with you and honest with others about what we're going through. And if your small groups leader is here, you know, speak, speak to them. Talk to them. Jesus, Lord, I, I just thank you, Lord. Thank you for the cross. Pray that you would search our hearts tonight and, and you would give us the courage to be honest, knowing that we can't outgive you or do anything that would separate um, you from us, God. But there's always there's always time uh, to, to come back. There's always an opportunity through your son Jesus to, to come back to relationship with you and to come back to what we were created to live in. Jesus, thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you that you're still working and speaking tonight, God. I just pray that you would you would speak to everyone here and move as you want in people's lives. And, and this wouldn't just be a, a time where it was a good message, but Lord, we would go back to our homes in Angelo State, wherever we're going, we would go empowered to live for you, Jesus, in every part of our lives. Thank you, God. In your name we pray. Amen.